Hello, and welcome to another episode of Is This Just Fantasy? I'm your host, Geordie Bailey. And I'm the guy that doesn't know nearly enough about the American school system to understand this book, Duncan Nickel. Yeah, you're referring to, like, the sophomore, junior stuff, right? I don't even know how many years they were meant to be. It's, like, number them, people. It's such a good system in the UK. We number them. One through eleven. And reception. And sometimes twelve and thirteen, it's... Yeah, even though we do call our last stage, we do call it sixth form, but I don't think it's the sixth form of education, right? It's like the fourth. It's key stage... Key stage four is GCSE, so it's key stage five, isn't it? So it's yeah. technically the fifth stage. Yeah. It goes. So we call it sixth form. N- <laughs> nursery, <laughs> re- reception, primary school, uh, secondary school, sixth form. That's five. Oh, no, 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 sir. You have gone wrong. You, you've missed out because um, primary, junior, secondary, infant. Primary is what it's called. and junior That's are the same thing. No, no, because um, you can have infant and junior as two separate sections. Oh, that's right. My school did have an infancy school. But no, that's nursery. And reception no, or whatever. No, nursery, nursery is preschool. Reception is part of infants. Infants, when I, was, when I went to school, was mm. reception one and two. Junior, three, four, five, six. Secondary, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And then sixth form, which is twelve and thirteen. Yeah, that American system is so complicated, isn't it? At least it's not yeah. the French system. That's all I got to say. I, I don't know where to start with the French system. When do you even start school? Are you five? Are they five when they go to school? Um, Duncan, I, I don't want to get into that, but what I am actually, I think, will be entertaining is I want to see if you know what order Americans do high school. Like, can you list the years in order? Um, the short answer to that is no. So there's four years, isn't there? That's right. And it runs from ages... Is it 12 to 16 or like 14 to 18? It ends at 18. Ends at 18. Okay, so they must do a... Other than senior... (laughs) Uh, Okay, senior's the last year. Sure. What's the first year? Intake. (laughs) Intake, yeah. Okay. Yeah, intake year. Can you remember any of the others? Mid year, I've I've literally said we we we've said all of them like in the episode, except for the first one actually we haven't said that but I've said them out loud. Sophomore, sophomore's the thing. All right, sophomore, yeah, and I'm actually drawing a blank, mate. I've what said it twice called? in this episode, and it's still coming up blank. So. Junior, 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 junior. Okay, so you got junior, sophomore, senior. And is junior the first year or the second year? I'm assuming it must be the the first year. That's no, second. Your, your, uh, oh. uh, uh, Duncan, you're a damn fool. Obviously, junior is not the first one. That would be ridiculous. Freshman is the first one, followed by sophomore, then junior, and then senior. What is sophomore? What is that Latin? What's sophomore? I don't know. What is a sophomore? <laughs> I eighty-eight. The British system, much clearer. Yeah, it it is a bit weird. It is a bit weird to use an American uh, schooling system because the school in this book is British. Like it's, it's designed by British people. The main character British, is British. Yeah. Let's talk about this book. We, what what book are we what book are we talking about? 
Oh yeah, sorry, the introduction. Hi everyone, welcome We're, to the... This is a book club, by the way. <laughs> Every two weeks we cover a different book. This week we're covering Geordie's pick, which is Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Novik. Oh, my apologies. And this is a book about a magical school. The Scholomance. It's the first in the Scholomance series. And at this magical school, unlike Hogwarts, which is unlike... only... Like Hogwarts, this is a very deadly place to go. Unlike Hogwarts, (laughs) um, it's sort of part of the design. This is a magical school which exists in its own sort of separate dimension, which Mm -hmm. at the age of 14, the wizarding children are plucked from their homes magically Mm -hmm. and teleported into the school for four years of absolute murder and carnage until they get to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more to it than that. In fact, this school was built with the promise that it would be safer than being on the outside, and debatably it is, because it's about 50-50 uh, survival rate, which is higher than it would be in the normal world. Because in this magical land... 25% die, right? I thought it was a 50-50 shot. I believe it depends where you it stand on the social hierarchy. 50-50% surviving, 25% survive graduation. That would make a bit more sense. Graduation um, ceremony yeah um is more carnage but the point of this novel isn't actually what is quite a lot about the world building i think what really gets me to this novel work is the fact the story of in this world because the school's so dangerous being a social outcast and not inside a clique not in a little enclave of students banding together is essentially a death sentence Mm -hmm. so this is a story that really focuses on the idea that navigating sort of high school politics actually a matter of life and death if you're not in the in crowd you're on Mm. the out crowd and the people on the outside of the circle are the first people to get killed off by the magical demon creatures known as moles which forever hunger and wish to feast on young magical kids yeah the main character is uh, an absolute social outcast and what i really like about it is that the reason that she is a total social outcast is just that she sucks at making friends. I really like the fact that she's just she's just bad at making friends. Like, she can't be nice to people. She's driving people away. And that's, like, the central character flaw she has to overcome. Which is, she has to learn to be nice. And trust people. Uh, and not be a sarcastic jerk the whole time. So, Dordie, I take it you like the book? Oh, yeah! I really like this book. Like, I've been promised that it was... That it was a good one, that it was, um, that people really enjoyed it, and so that set my expectations pretty high, and they were, they were met. I, I enjoyed this book a lot. It plunges you in hard at the start, but actually, you find you're fitting pretty quick, and as Duncan kind of hinted, it has a lot of world building, and I think it's pretty good. I kind of stand by the same statement. Um, this was a good read, surprisingly hey. so. Hey! It, I say surprisingly. I was surprised because I really hadn't heard a lot about uh, either the author Naomi Novik, Novik, mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't really heard this series. I hadn't heard a lot of buzz. But weirdly enough, having just literally today gone into my local bookshop and seen the third one in the series, like on a shelf in sort of a prime place, I'm like, was it always there? Was it always there just in like plain sight? And my brain had just... No, that of... came out pretty recently, I think. Okay. That's cool. I hadn't just been shifting over it. But yeah, it was a real delight to read. It was quite fast-paced. 
Um, I like it's a the short fact... book compared to what we normally read, and it doesn't. To be honest, it's a bit bit like the uh, original Harry Potter's in that sense, which were very tightly written. At least the first the three. The original, were. the best ones. Sorry, not going down that train track. Um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that it really kind of tackled the sort of high school dynamic. I think well in terms of being a social outcast and use the fantasy elements, the bits of the genre that we love to heighten those, to really put the magnifying glass up against it and actually kind of make some really nice points that for someone who certainly doesn't think that he went through school in the inner of Innis McLeods, um, could kind of relate to and enjoy kind of experiencing while also strong world building. Yeah, it also has some... It also has broader social commentary, you know, because it's it's fundamentally uh, a very leftist book. It's it's about social inequality. One of the main themes being that sort of the the kids of the people of the most successful society, the kids of those who are rich and powerful and have built their own kind of wizarding societies, have the greater advantage. You know, they have just an objectively higher percent his chance of coming out of school alive, and. It's sort yeah. of a self-fulfilling... It, it goes deep in that, though. It, it, I think it's, it, like, that's so obvious, and it's really drummed into your head, like, stated out loud. Yeah, like, the characters talk about that openly. But I also think there's some neat metaphor within the text, um, which ties into the, um, the motif of, um, of magic equals money, essentially, or social capital, capital of any kind, really. I'm so looking forward to diving into this. This is going to be quite a bit of fun. Yes. However, before we talk about that and all the good stuff in this book, I think it's time we have to open up with what I think is probably the biggest problem in this book. Okay. I have what I think is the most biggest problem. I'm not sure if it will be the same as your biggest problem. Shall we say it out loud at the same time? It'd be very funny if it is the same. Should we do it on three? We haven't done this in a while. Okay. Three... Two, one. Tonal dissonance. You can't name your main character Galadriel. You're not allowed to do that. It's right there in the rule book. You're not allowed to name your main character Galadriel. That name is taken. It says very clearly, you're allowed to poach only the name Aragorn and change it ever so slightly, J.K. Rowling and Christopher Paloni. So the main character of this book is called Galadriel. Uh, called L for most of the novel and it is made very explicit that her she was given this name by her parents in reference to Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. her mum specifically I think turns <laughs> out her mum loves reading the Lord of the Rings books this book takes place in um in real life like it takes place in our world I was actually quite surprised by it. I didn't see that coming uh, but it is laid out pretty quickly I like the idea of an actual magical wizard loving Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah, that's, um, that is interesting. It's, funnily enough, I reflected on this was reading a book. It's not the first time that I've read a book where, um, one of the important characters is named after characters from Lord of the Rings in a world where Lord of the Rings exists. Uh, go on. What's the other one? The other one is the book Gone by Michael Grant, the first book in a Gone series, where it's revealed that... Um, the main one, not a main character, a very important supporting character and a main character in the first book, Lana, is um, her full name is, I don't know her surname, but her first and middle name is Lana 
Arwen. Um, and and just and it might not even be Lana. I think it's actually Lena because it's named after Lena Lang, Superman's girlfriend in in DC Comics. I enjoy that. I I'm and I'm really happy that it's referenced. The only question this brings up to me is that is this a world that Lord of the Rings exists? Is this the world where Harry Potter exists? In which case, I really want the kids to give their That's, opinion. That on is Harry also Potter. a great question. That is a great question. That raises some implications about whether <laughs> Rowling is giving up some secrets that she shouldn't that she shouldn't be dishing out there. Oh, that'd be great if in universe it's a it's someone. J.K. Rowling is one of these wizards going, yeah, school was awful. Let's make it, let's write a nice fantasy where it wasn't so bad. <laughs> um, I, 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 I have to say, this is actually, and this is not a, as big a problem as the main character being called Galadriel, which is just, you not again, you're not allowed to do that. Duncan, at what point in this book did you discover that the world, like, that magic is a secret? Um when it i think there's a bit where they explain that the mundanes uh the muggles mm-hmm. <laughs> the normal people we can't keep saying that duncan <laughs> just just say just just to pretend the wizard books don't exist and just keep going with this one that the mundane people of this world are described at not really being able to perceive magic and mm-hmm. thus inherently it kind of becomes a secret that's the only bit where it finally clicked 50 percent of the way through the book yeah about that that's that's unacceptable, right? You can't explain it at that point in the book. I think you can because I don't think it's relevant to the plot. Because this I think is a it's book very relevant that to happens the plot. Like, entirely. This book is all about this book is all about world building. No, like that's what it's about. It absolutely yeah. is. Like it, no, it is about world building. So much. But the world building this book, the entire plot of this book takes place within the school and the world building right. work starts at the school and works outward we literally start in elves like bedroom and we get the laws of how the dorms work then we learn about the cafeteria then we learn about downstairs and the classrooms and then we learn about the graduation hall and then it works its way out through the world as we learn about enclaves that's yeah fine you don't need to learn about it in chapter one but you should learn about it in chapter two like you can say well the book all takes place in the school that's not true because she constantly refers back to her life outside to her life growing up there are points when it's pretty clear we're supposed to know that mundanes can't perceive magic but it has not been explained to us and in fact it's really misleading like there's a bit when she says that she couldn't practice magic because someone might not believe her but she doesn't explain why that is why she wouldn't just be able to do magic or why someone would see her do magic and then justify an explanation for that. That's left completely blank. It didn't make any sense to me and I was actively confused. They talk about her mother being an actual, like, spiritual healer and witch. So we are led to believe that people, she does magic for people because she does do magic for people and the mundanes help her do magic. And then... 20% 20% later in the book, like, 100 pages, you're like, oh, mundanes don't know about magic. That's crazy. You can't just do that. I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill, mate. I, I see what you're saying, but it just didn't impact my enjoyment of the actual story being told to me at the time, which is the story of I, Elle I, and her social oh, outclass. Like, there were bits in her backstory where I was like oh I don't quite understand how this world works yet but I was just I had enough faith in the author I'm like 
Well, probably I'll find out later. I even kind of thought to myself, and I think this might be the difference. I'm not sure that um, Naomi wanted us not to know. I think she sort of maybe thought we would have known or would have picked it up. It mm-hmm. wasn't exactly kept back as a secret. No, it absolutely was kept back as a secret. It's not it's it, because it's a very lengthy section where it lays out uh, in a in a long explanation because a lot of the explanations of this book are quite long, which is acceptable and fine with that. Where they lay out this is why, um, not malefices, maleficants, um, mouths, mouths, the maleficaria. Those names are a little too close, but that's not a big deal. Maleficaria don't attack mundanes. And it's a lengthy explanation, and it should have come up earlier in the book. Whatever. I've just said the two things I don't like about this book, and we're, I'm over. Like, that's it. Everything else I have to say is basically pretty positive. I'm so glad. You didn't actually hit on the part that I didn't kind of like about this book. Tonal dissonance? Yeah. And All right. Oh, I had this between two elements, and that is between the world building and our sort of plot. Okay. I felt that the world building was a lot darker and a lot more severe and just almost dystopian compared to the actual story that we're being told. When we're hearing about the school and the terrible death rates and the worst things that can happen and the monsters that can attack and oh, how horrific it can get. I didn't really feel that any of the characters that I was meeting though we're really seeing the worst of it. And there is sort of a, an in-plot reason for that. It's explained that, that, is, that is true. That's exactly right. There's, there's a reason for that. But it kind of meant that I was kind of rocking back and forth. And I was... It was sort of like, I'm getting... Oh, I'm enjoying something. I kind of like light-hearted and upbeat. And then I felt like I got hit with something that was always just seemed a little bit too dark. I'm like, really? <laughs> Do we need that? Was that necessary for the story being told? Like little Maleficaria, like hatching in your hair and borrowing into your skull and stuff. Uh, yeah, like those exact bits where it explains mm. like, oh yeah, you, you don't want to be like the last one to go and do this because it'll come up and kill you this horrific way or you can't go to the showers because it'll come up the drain and all these things are like, oh my God, like the actual, st- honestly, if I was in this school, I think the anxiety mm. and the stress would finish me off first. Oh yeah, 100%. I've just finished rereading for like the fourth time World War Z. I don't know why I said Z. I call it Z every other time I say it. I already said it Z that time. What's up with that? I, I'm ashamed Z. of you. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Finished reading that. And I, what I love about that book is how much he cares about the fact that more people would be done in by the doom and gloom and the despair of a zombie apocalypse than actual zombies. And I think I think that's actually captured well in this book. Like there is an overriding sense of paranoia and fear in everything the characters do. And a sense of kind of hopelessness. There's a reason why Elle keeps shoving people away. And that is, she kind of has no chance. And she's she's a bit resigned to the fact that she's not going to be able to make it. And while that really does drive home the point of the story and ups the stakes mm-hmm. and works so well, there were just moments where I was just like, as we just like, gosh, this is so unpleasant. Like, I felt bad <laughs> reading this book. You should all feel these bad. Kids. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go to this school. It sucks. Which I'm sure is the complete point. Um, Uh Exactly, that's the point. The point is that they have to do it to get a good job. You have to go through this horrible experience. 
But that's the, that's why the dissonance is what kind of hit me is because you really set up how awful this school is and how terrible and how high the stakes are and none of the actual characters that we meet, sorry, will be spoilers in this discussion as with all our oh, book club yeah. sessions. Um, none of the characters we meet in this novel have a terrible fate. No one that we actually really know or care about as a character and does anything bad happen for. And I almost felt a little cheated. I, I do I- suspect... That maybe that's been saved from all the other novels. I agree. I think next time they're going to start dropping like flies. But just for this first book that I read, I did feel a little bit like I'd had... It's sort of that moment, sort of a... If you're playing like a horror video game, where Mm -hmm. it really makes you think there's a monster around the corner, but there's not even Mm -hmm. something spawned in. Like, you're completely objectively safe. And I kind of got that feeling at the end of this book, like, oh, wow, you made me feel all these emotions, but everyone was fine. And everyone was actually safe for this first book. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know, I felt a little, a little cheated. Just a little. That's my sore neck. So I, I can see the point there. And I also agree that, that it does miss a certain sense of peril because the thing about Galadriel and this ultimately works out in the end. And I think it does work as like a problem for her to overcome. It is a bit cheap that, like, her main source of drama is that she's too powerful. Like, that's the thing it keeps driving home. And it could have been annoying, but it wasn't. But it really could have been like a, oh, my main character is so powerful. She can flatten the city. That's why she can't beat the bad guys, because she doesn't want to blow the whole building up. You know? I do know. And I think... uh... Naomi Novik has one particular scene which kind of brings that in and actually seals the deal for a bit of a victory on that. Mm. And that scene is the scene where our main character, Elle, Mm -hmm. she is attacked in her dorm room by, I believe his name's Jack. Yeah, his name is Jack. Excellent. Jack, who is this uh, evil wizard who recently killed off one of the other kids at school because he's... Using their life force basically as magical power. Mm-hmm. Lots to be explained in that, but that's the gist of it. And yeah. he's under the impression, well, Elle's on to me. Elle knows. I need to off Elle. And he comes up, he stabs Elle, and Elle's in her like dying moments. She's like, what can I do? And she realizes, well, I could reach for someone else's life force too. Mm. And I would have all the power and I'd be able to flatten the school and blow my way out of here. And mm. she makes that conscious decision. Um, and it's a conscious decision then not to do that. She goes, no, I'd rather die as a good person to do that. And because it uh, makes such a strong statement with Elle as a character, and we get mm-hmm. to see through the plot that she would rather die. It's not even just kind of a high moral. She is put into that situation very early mm-hmm. on. And you go, right, I now know where Elle stands. Absolutely. I, it, it kind of got sold to me later down the line. Like, that's pretty early in the book. Later down the line, to, as we were getting towards the end, I was like, you know what? I really buy into this whole slippery slope thing because Elle's whole deal is that a lot like Galadriel accepting the ring, she um she could be easily corrupted. Like everything about her is predisposed to be an actual dark wizard. She has the power to steal other people's life force. She has like horrible destructive magic that can destroy huge amounts of people and stuff and all that and so everything she does has to be about restraint she's constantly pulling back it's like that classic superman speech at the end of the justice league cartoon you know that dunk 
live in a oh, world made don't. of cardboard? Um, no, but I can imagine my mom. Oh, it's, so, it's so sick. You go look it on YouTube. Just look up world made of cardboard. It'll show up. <laughs> I do like the idea. Um, it comes up in Spider-Man a lot, though. Spider-Man talks about he constantly is pulling his punches. Because he's like, well, yeah, obviously I could knock the heads oh, off. Oh, yeah. I, I just finished rereading um the, the Superior Spider-Man. You ever read that? Nope. Oh, it's so good. It's one of the few Spider-Man comics I've actually, like, properly sat down and read the whole thing. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Marvel comics as a whole. For a lot of the stuff that's in Superior Spider-Man is a good example of that. You need to have a fucking Wikipedia page open. It's a series where... Doc Ock takes over Spider-Man's brain. Like, he becomes Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is dead for, like, a couple of years of publication. Um, and he takes over his body, and, like, he starts... He becomes he becomes Spider-Man. He tries to prove that he's a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker. And, yeah, he can, like... He's way rougher. He's breaking people's jaws and, like, punishing people with too much violence. He's a real jerk about it. Which is always important to do, and I think in those particularly in those types of stories, you need to go, like it's like Batman's my personal favorite superhero who does it, who's like you know, well I can't kill them, I have to not go down that slippery slope. Although there are definitely moments mm-hmm. in things like Batman where I'm like, please, could, could you not just off like a few of them? Like really think about the I, death count here, mate. I really think that it's actually a plot hole, not that it's, but Batman doesn't kill people, but that he doesn't arrest Joker anesthetize him and surgically sever his spine you know oh joker's alive and now he's a quadriplegic what what that was so dark i didn't want you to say that <laughs> i mean what do you say like he's not gonna hurt anyone now is he i don't i think that defeats the object it's not when he says like not killing anyone i think that's pretty far down the list no it's not he he, he will, he's broken over people's spines I think okay, what so I often find... He can throw a guy yeah. out a window and break his legs, but he's not allowed to, like, put Joker into a surgery to, to stop him from using his arms and legs. At that point, why not just execute him? Because he's still alive! He can live a fulfilling life of therapy. He just can't use his hands to shoot people with guns. Right. Let's just be real. Even if that did happen to the joke in the comic, you can still see him... In, like, being pushed around in a wheelchair by Harley Quinn and still doing, like, terrible Actually, things. Actually, would, wouldn't it be great if, if it was, like, if James Gordon shot him in the spine and he got oracled, you know? He had to, he got a, he got killing jokes, you know? Wouldn't that be darkly ironic? I He'd mean, probably laugh about yeah. it. <laughs> I think we're still on topic. I think what <laughs> I want to take all these points is that what I get annoyed at quite often when I see a character... That man's a bit of a case of this. Is when I feel like mm. the character is putting their own moral standing, or they basically when they value their own internal morals more than they value other people's lives. Oh, that I find we're, quite we're frustrating. Segue. So, enter the love interest for this book, Orion Lake. Duncan, come on! You know? Oh wait, no, you don't know Greek mythology. We've covered this, don't we? Uh, we have indeed. Go and check out our Song for Achilles Duncan, episode. You know the constellation has a belt, right? Orion. Oh, yeah, it's Orion. <laughs> and I learned that watching Men in Black. You're such a fucking nerd. Orion. Orion Lake. Excellent character. I really enjoyed him. Orion Lake is a yeah, love me interest. Me too. Character. I like them as a pairing. 
Um, I've, I think they have a nice sort of... I, the person who recommended this book to me described them as Black Cat and Golden Retriever. Uh, for a second there, I thought you were talking Spider-Man again. No, I'm, hey, not, I'm, like... done, I'm done with Spider-Man. This is, so who's Golden Retriever? He, he is, man. I, I do not know Spider-Man as well as I thought I did. No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not talking about Spider-Man. I, I'm talking about Ryan and, and L. Okay. Like the actual cat, Duncan. Oh, like an actual cat and a golden retriever. Yes. Makes more sense now. I was genuinely Man. thought you were telling me that there was some like superhero in Marvel <laughs> called the golden retriever. <laughs> okay, yes. He's getting away. Don't worry. I shall retrieve his gold jewellery. Zoop! And he summons him back to him. <laughs> Just like it's on the You've saved like, the day after again. him, boy, after him. <laughs> You've saved the day from extremely specific crimes, Golden Retriever. It's all in a day's work. <laughs> yes, Orion is the good, a, a very good boy. He personifying him as a dog is perfect. Yeah, he his whole. Yeah, he's nice and sweet, and yeah, he is, and. His special power is that he's really good at beating things up. Hell yeah. He's total himbo. <laughs> Not super really well defined. It's defined that he obviously can take the magical power from things that he defeats mm. um, and self kind of sustains himself. But otherwise, yeah. it's we're just kind of told that, like, yeah, at, at sort of like five years old, he just used to go out and fight monsters for, for fun. It's kind of actually, it's quite Greek mythy, to be quite honest. Yes, well, at nine, he uh, the, took the jawbone. There is a Heracles reference in there, yeah. Like, he's strangling snakes and stuff. He's a great foil, and what? in fact, I think he was an excellent character to insert, because he's someone that I don't think I've actually seen a lot, not that I've read a lot, of fiction that deals with kind of like high school dynamics. Yeah, because you don't read a lot of YA, do you? No, not at all. Um, his particular social standing is that he's in the in-crowd, but mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily like oh, actually maybe i have seen someone like him he is still very socially awkward and the idea he's in the in-crowd because he's really capable and everyone's basically being told stick close to him and he's kind of with them though because he just doesn't have anyone else he just doesn't yeah, know exactly any he's, he he rep he's a he's the rich boy you know he's had everything provided from his whole life but he's unfulfilled and then in meeting l he finds someone to make an actual real connection with someone who doesn't want him for his hastily crossed out the word money and social power and stuff and replace that with magic powers you know he's he's been wanted as a commodity and now someone actually treats him as a person it's it's it is a bit of a duncan this is new to you it's it, it is quite tropey but i think it's really delivered well here it's almost an exact opposite of like the you know, it's the opposite of a bad boy. It's the good boy. It's the opposite of your Edward Cullen, who's dark and exciting and entices you in. It's the other way around. L is the Edward in this scenario. Which is really nice to see. It's it's nice to see someone actually be in their main, the head of our main character and be like, come on now, just, just be a bit nicer to him. Like, you don't actually have <laughs> to, like, fall in love with him, but just give him a little pat on the head. I, it's actually hysterical. How little ground she gives, you know? Well, like, the novel he, opens he with falls, her. He falls head over heels with her, like, really quickly. And and it, it does do a, a really fun trope, which I love, which is fake relationships, you know? 
um, very to all the boys I've loved before. But it's 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 handled in such a weird way where normally this is like two characters have to pretend to be in a relationship, Duncan, for some reason, you know? Yeah, and, very, um, Bridgerton's and, my main example of this, which I love, but yes. Oh, sure, great. Um, so that's a good example. And then over time, they actually fall for each other, you know? Um, Ten Things I Hate About You, that's another sort of example of that. But the, the, tr- the trick here is that only one of the characters thinks slash knows they're in a fake relationship. Because it just so happens that Orion has no fucking idea that anyone thinks that he and Elle are together. Everyone else thinks they're together. Elle knows they're not together. It's like a crazy relationship chart. Um, he just thinks they're friends, and he's falling in love with her. And she doesn't know that he's falling in love with her. Oh, God. It, it's actually so much more complicated, I realize, when you try to say it out loud. But that's fun. That's a nicer version. Instead of them kind of having this agreement where they're like we do not like each other, but let's pretend. I like the fact that they don't actually really have that communication. Most of their interactions are either friendly or standoffish, which we understand from mm. Elle's point of view, why she's like that. So I actually feel like this book allows their relationship to kind of fully develop from mm-hmm. sort of a more of a platonic friend standpoint. And it's only at the very yeah. end that they kind of go, oh, I, f- I guess actually as two young people go in a life and death situation. Well, all not, right. I, 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 Yes, I think I think you're on something there. I thought you were going to say that they're headed towards a relationship. And what's interesting about the end of this book is that Elle literally knees him in the balls um, when when um, when he's like basically proposes a relationship between them uh, and says, absolutely no way. But maybe, but no, absolutely no way. And... Well, firstly, that's very funny, but it's also really supported by the characters that we know up to that point. Elle, Mm -hmm. uh, we get through her backstory that her parents fell in love at school, um, her mum got pregnant at school, and her dad ultimately sacrificed himself to allow her mum to get out of the school. And so So she has, like, heavy emotional damage stopping her from making this kind of real connection. But she's always felt like an outcast. She's always felt unloved. And she's always felt like there was this loving figure missing from her life. Did you ever read this? Because obviously, let's focus on the main character of Elle. She's an outcast. Mm. And it's mostly because she is unlikable to other people because yeah, she's not nice. she's mean. She is. And did you ever kind of pick on this? Because I feel there's kind of two ways. On the one hand, like she's trying to be, she's being defensive um, because, you know, people want something in this school. But also, it's it's that sense from her, like, looking at her parents' relationship. She's like, if I get attached to anyone, that's just someone that... C- mm, yeah, absolutely. ...could then die, could get emotional. And so it is sort of emotionally defending herself, but at the same time... Or even before that... Yeah. Or betray her, like, keep her at a distance and not trust in her. Or, or the classic one is, figure out that deep down I'm actually a horrible person, realise who I really am, and then reject me, and I couldn't cope with that. And even better than that, you've got the extra level, which is because everything's done on alliances and thinking about getting out of this school alive, it's like, I don't want to have to reach out mm. and try and be a friend to someone when it's really fake. Yeah, you know, I think that's something, I don't know how you yeah. feel, but I kind of feel a little bit of connection to the idea that being in school and kind of faking a bit of a friendship just because you want to be seen as part of an, a certain crowd, and really, on an individual level, 
you don't like them at all. I mean, I can't relate to that, so well, I guess you're just a weird. It's a good element explored in this book, and it's one of the extra things attached to L. So there's something here I'm very for sorry. everyone. That was very mean of me. It was very cruel of you. But obviously, if you were always part of the in crowd and loved by all, then maybe you'll like Orion more. He's still lovely. I don't really know who wouldn't like this book. Probably the type of people who won't be reading it. I doubt that's very mean of me. I don't want to make assumptions about who would be with this. All right, Duncan, what are we hitting next? Well, we've talked so much about how the central theme of this novel is about being a social outcast in high school. Let's actually talk about some of the friends she makes along the way, besides Orion, mm. her love interest. Let's just talk about the kind of platonic friends she meets up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she forms an alliance in this book with two characters. She has one more friend who's kind of at the periphery, uh, who's mostly a, an emotional punching bag. Oh, we're going to have to do, yep, name pronunciation time. Uh, off you go, Duncan. Adia. Um, I think it, um, I, you know what? I don't remember myself. It's, I'm pretty sure it's Adia. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. Yes. I was so concerned reading this. I've read what I was going to have like a Hermione moment of like Heroni. Um, perfect. Adia. Yep. So Adia. And Lou. Who saw, I think the first, and Louis? Lou. Yeah. Um, Adia is, is, you know, it's fun. There's not a lot, I don't think there's a lot to her really. Like she's a pretty straightforward, simple character. She's kind of clever and independent and, um, you know, friendly. Like, she brings Ellen. It's nice for her to make the first step. I wouldn't say she's a very complicated character, but... No. She's a character I like to see on the page. She's... To be honest, she's one of the ones, actually, I felt the most kind of tropey like It actually reminded me a little okay. bit of watching, uh, like, Recess as a kid. <laughs> Do you know, there's a kid in that called, like... All the kids... There's, like, a kid literally called just, like, Hustler Kid. And I was like, yeah, that's what you do. Her job is to make the deals. That's how they kind of get introduced. She's sort of on the mm. outskirts too, but she's a, enough in that she can talk to different groups of people and sort mm. of manage deals between them. Um, yeah. She's she, she kind of like, I think the word, right word is like savvy, you know, like she's she's good of her hand. She's an artificer. She makes magical items. And and you know what actually we really talk about in this book is the sense of strategy, you know? Like, that's, I think it's my favourite thing about this book. So I'm surprised we haven't even brought it up. Because the strategy is kind of what gave me anxiety in this book. Okay. I would not have survived. Like, I'm so strong. The amount of, so talk about strategy. We're talking about knowing how to get with, create an alliance for graduation. Just to be clear, graduation from this magical school, you have to basically Mm. do a death run for a hall of monstrous killing creatures. And the only way to really do it is to be in a solid team, a solid group, and push your way through. And the people on the outskirts of that team are physically on the outside of your group as you go running through this hall and the most likely to get eaten. Sure. So the strategy is all about building alliances and getting in, like properly into a group of wizards together to band together. Uh huh. Absolutely. It's... It's all about forging everything you do like, has to be bought and bargained for. There are no favours in this book. Well, there's no free favours. Everything you do is is carefully, carefully chosen. What you choose to study. Like, if you skip a lesson, the book makes very clear. You're, like, you're going to lose out in certain ways. The school will punish you. So you have to choose your lessons really carefully and your projects really carefully. And you have to choose what time you spend in the library really carefully. It's it's it. And don't don't get away. It's kind of anxiety-inducing, but also it's like 
characters making these really precise decisions in order to gain an advantage um, at the end of the book. It's almost like Dune-like in that way, you know? In the sense that I could barely keep track of the alliances being formed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I think what I really enjoyed, you're right, because you're talking about, yes, about the subjects. And to be fair, actually, did you ever feel that when we went to university together? Did you ever feel that at uni? Like you would sit there and you see your options. You'd be like, okay, well, that one's 100% coursework. I need to think about how many exams are going to have in the exam season. Um, oh, I did the prelude to that one last year, so that will probably be easier. Well, that one's technically no, lower level. No, that isn't right. That's not true to me. Like, honestly, when I went to school, I was like, all right, these are the good ones. Oh, now i got to pick the fucking stragglers. All right, what's next? Photography in America? Oh, I don't know about that. Architecture in America? Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, mine was mine was far more closely related to the stuff going on in this book. Th- having to think, mm-hmm. okay, so um, I'm living in a house with just four of us. We're all doing the same course. We're all going to take different options. What are they taking? It's better to be in a class <laughs> yeah. that I like don't want to do as much, but be with people also doing the same coursework because there's an advantage there. Who's teaching it? Which teachers do I have a good relationship with? Like, that's an interesting mm-hmm. subject, but I don't like him, so I won't get help. So I need to go. No, I, I related hard. Um, I actually genuinely found out to a friend at near the end of uni um, and we were like, do you think, you know, like, are we like really good at our subjects now? I'm like, I think we're really good at doing uni at this point, or at least undergraduate mm. uni. Like we knew how to, we never colluded, but we knew how to, to support people academically, um, obviously, <laughs> and like get the most out from the little it's put in. And mm. that just brought back so many memories that, it was like stressful, but I, it was also fun. I will say that. Mm. And I did like see what they're trying to do, but it just made me feel really bad then because this book is life and death. I was like, but what about the kids <laughs> that don't get it? What about the kids that just get too stressed out or like miss a lesson or just oversleep? Or, or, or. Getting back on topic, let's talk about the other person in her group, and that's Lou, right? I don't. So. I don't really get a lot yeah. from Lou. I reckon she'll be better in the next book. I think the author only really figured out what to do with her by the end. She doesn't do a lot in this one. Do you want my, my bet? What? Lou is here to either die or one of her young cousins introduced at the very <gasps> end of this book no. is going to die and she's going to be pushed to the dark side. Oh no. Bet. She just got She just got out of, out of dark side rehab. I know. And like anyone who explicitly we get told, yes, I used to do the bad stuff, but I'm over that. It's like, you literally wouldn't tell us if this isn't going to be a challenge for you later. (laughs) (laughs) So best of luck to you. I think you're not going to make it. Used to be a Maleficer, accidentally got fixed by a spell of good vibes because Elle is so powerful. Um, Oh my God. Isn't it such a good scene when, 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 um, when she's down because she's just been like swallowed by a monster, which she exploded from the inside. And Orion's like, Hmm, she looks a little like tired. So he just grabs her and just floods her with like magical energy. He's like, I'll fix you. Bam. Himbo. Absolute himbo. It's only as good because Ella's then like, once again, that's exactly. completely like, not what I his needed. Lack of communication skills. You're like, she's perceptive, but a jerk. He's nice, but not perceptive, you know? 
Oh, they make such a happy couple. They will do. This really is the heart of the book. And we talked about, you know, the two other friends and how actually both of them, I think we basically said, didn't bring a lot no, as it's characters. True. I, I did like the scene where they get along and I, I liked them right at the end of the book, like the last conversation they have and like the banter in it. That was fun because that's when Elle is like, recovered from like being a jerk when she's being like nice and making friends and you're like that's a nice change i like the dynamic in this group i look forward to seeing it in the next one you know yeah i do know um but it definitely gave me a feeling it was more that particular scene where lou adia and l are all together in her room so hang out it was more of a scene of like it's nice to see l like surrounded by friends mm-hmm Rather than, yeah, I like all three characters. It's, sure. I, yeah, I think that you wasn't might the be vibe. something there. She's sort of only unveiled at the end of a book, and I think this is what, what's going to change. We now know all her speciality. Like, Adia was like, I'm an artificer. I can, like, make stuff. That's my deal. And you're like, okay, I have something to anchor onto here. At the end of this book, she's like, Lou's like, I have animal magic. I have familiars. And they go, okay, cool. That's what you're going to provide next time. Animal-related magic. Now, the only animals in this entire school are apparently your mice, so I don't know how it's going to work. Maybe you're going to turn it into a super mouse and ride it into battle. That, that could work. But I don't, I don't know about that. I think I can, my guessing game here, I reckon it's either going to be the mice are used for like spying. That would be my prediction. That was what I was or just thinking, yeah. the mouse is once again going to be one of those things where it's like... First, Lou loses her mice. Then she loses her cousin. Oh no, she's turned crazy Eve. I don't know why I'm convinced this is what's going to happen, but I am. (laughs) This is the plot Lou's going on. Now, now, Uh, two more things. Two more things. I want to talk about the main metaphor of this book and the way it relates to social class. So there's a very, very obvious allegory in this book, which is that if you belong to a special enclave of wizards, you're in. That's the 1%. They make it super duper clear belong to these groups you're rich you have an nigh on infinite source of magic instead of money the way in which i like how this is um this is explored otherwise is you could very easily say okay so being a malefic- maleficer is basically being a criminal right like you steal mana you steal money like you get to the top by immoral means so how do you get there by honest means and i like the fact that mana is generated doesn't just get like regenerated after a sleep or eating some food like i don't know dungeons and dragons or aragon or whatever although there is a bit of aragon in here and that they use like gems like batteries mana is generated by labor not just by being physically active there's a really great bit that i love where Elle's doing push-ups and she mm-hmm. says it's getting annoying because she's getting fitter. So mm-hmm. it's less hard work to do the same number of push-ups. So she's generating less mana. That's it's right. It's actually effort. a direct contribution, which is like in the real world, between hard work and the mana you receive are directly correlated. But it's also like a thing where crocheting will give you mana. Like putting mental focus into creating something generates more power. The idea being that if you had like a sewing machine and you were creating value out of an object, you're creating the value of mana. 
And if you realize what I'm getting at that, that's almost word for word, like stuff from Das Kapital. That's Marxism, you know? Yes, I think so. What you're saying is it's not capitalism. You can't generate mana passively in this world. You have to be actively doing something. Yes, unless you can't own an asset. have access to a nigh-on infinite amount of magic. And I reckon, I reckon the end of this book is going to be as an insurmountable problem, and the solution is going to be socialism. I reckon it's going to be everyone has to share their magic, you know, to all make it out together. I mean, I think that is actually the solution just from the start. That when they talk about even as simple things like going and you got to have a click of friends mm-hmm. to go to the shower, and if you don't have a certain group, then you sure. don't shower as often. And it's just like. Why don't you all just agree that at nine o'clock you're going to the showers and then you set your guards and you just rotate? And the reason why, Duncan, is that you can't give it away for free. You have to create value. Like, you have to say, I'm only going to do this for you if you give me something in return. It's fundamentally, it's a selfish system. That's the whole point. It is a capitalistic system. I'm only going to be nice to you if you do something nice for me. See how we give you kind of the same kind of uh, Lord of the Fly vibes as well, because it's because they're only kids and there are no adults there. It really makes it feel like no, this is the society that they've chosen to create. I disagree completely. Um, I, I, I okay. so much so that even the author, and we shouldn't just listen to authors like they, their voice has just as much value as yours does, Duncan. But explicitly, no, this is not the system the kids have created. This is the system the kids have inherited. The si- the school was here. Long before they were there, every time they come in, the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors are already there upholding the system. The problems that they are facing, the broken machinery of the school, are old problems they have to live in. No, this is society. This is a problem created by the society that they have to live in. It's not the kids' fault. They have to live within the function of society or choose to break society. Excellent. You fight for your points. Um, and that's, and I think that's really well shown um, throughout the, the sort of central conflict of this book, yeah. which is that which is. there's a point, Orion is breaking the system by being too nice. He's being too nice. He's being too generous. He- and that becomes a threat. He, so he is saving people's lives. And that means that the monsters that live down below aren't getting as fed they're not so they're getting more ravenous more Mm -hmm. worked up and that means that the people the seniors are like well that's not good because we've got to go through that horde to get out it is a bit weird that orion has killed more monsters so there are more monsters down there you know i know it's well explained that the monsters are hungrier but whatever yeah whatever it works for the story it, to be honest, I had this struggle with this because you're like, but I think it explains that the monsters, like the smaller monsters come up, eat a child, go down below, get eaten by the bigger monsters. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, so there are ways in and out. Like, why not just create an actual sealed box? Or I never really truly got, to be honest, like they created this school in this like separate dimension. I'm like, mm-hmm. how did the first monsters get in there? Well, the monsters are there on purpose, I think. Are they? Aren't they? Wait, what? Why? How are the monsters created again? Like the monsters, I, the school makes the monsters, right? The the school is in a void, like it's in a black bubble of anti light or whatever, and 
The school is magic. It creates everything that you need. So if you need a textbook, it will give you a textbook. It may not be the textbook you want, but it's the textbook the school thinks you need slash deserve. The school will be judgmental if it thinks you're doing a bad job. And it also makes the monsters. Like, a bunch of these monsters are, they say they're like, they're made by wizards. But how are they ending up here in the void? The void is, is bringing the monsters here. You're right, it must be, but... The problem it, is, I don't... This, this is the thing, Duncan. This is, yeah. this is a bit confusing, and I understand why you might not understand this. So, graduation is not supposed to be a death game. No, it's not. It's made very clear that, so, graduation, they have to fight their way through the graduation hall to get out the main door. Yeah. But there's meant to be a purge system in place that clears out all the monsters, literally just before graduation. Yeah. So they can walk out. But here's the thing that bothers me. You said oh, the school must create the monsters, but the school was built by enclave wizards to create a safe haven for their kids to go and learn because it's not safe out in the normal world. Yeah. Yeah, what? I guess and so, so the monsters just can get in? Yeah, the monsters can get in because that's why they have the purge system. Why would you need to purge I think purge the purge them? system is just to clear them right at the end, though, right? Like, you're supposed to be attacked by monsters throughout the year. Like, that's supposed to happen. Because you have to Why? toughen yourself up, right? No, because when you become an adult, monsters don't go for you. It's made very specifically, it's like maturing kids. Why don't you send kids to damn school? Make another one! I know! Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's about society. I really do like the world building. society. <laughs> and I would, it is nice to nitpick it a bit, but I think it works well enough. Uh, why they didn't build another one, I don't know. I, I think, I love no, it at the end. They are building uh, another one though, right? That's in like chapter three. Well, they don't really come back to it, do they? No, it's like a Central Asian school, I think. I was trying to build like their own private one. Yeah. I, that sounds nice. Hopefully I like the it fact that have um, stupid poorly poorly Google translated names. Well, this is really sorry. Um, this is a really great bit when they talk about the school creation and how the enclave has created it for their children. Mm-hmm. And basically, because everything went wrong, um, although maybe fifty percent of kids come out of the school, eighty percent of the enclave children aren't coming out, and they just kind of go, "Well, that's you know, a bigger percentage than they used to have." So. All good. Yep. Twenty <laughs> percent death rate. They literally said the fifty percent death rate to be like a shield to the rich kids. Metaphors. Duncan, should we talk Metaphors. about the climax of this book? It's really fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. I really liked it. The climax of this book is that they get together and they do. I thought it was okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, I I'll had explain the premise. Hopes. The... I had higher hopes, but um, it, 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 no, hang on. At first, I didn't really like it, uh, and then it grew on me, and I liked, and it, by the time it wrapped up, I had enjoyed it a lot, but, yeah, I had some issues with it. Do, go, don't right. go ahead. Let's define it. So the climax of this book is a mission is put together uh, with Elle, Orion, and some seniors and people from all that throughout the years to go down to the graduation hall and fix the purge equipment that clears out all the monsters. They're doing this because uh, the monsters are going frantic and the seniors have worked out that if they let the monsters out early, then while they're eating all the other kids, 
most of them can get out alive mm-hmm. and the other kids obviously don't want this so they have to work together and we go on this this mission um and the idea is that some kids are going to try and repair the equipment while l and some other kids are holding up a shield mm-hmm. and orion is just going to go off and have fun in the horde of monsters like the crazy man he is yeah literally doing guts at the eclipse like just jumping between demons and smashing them up again it just makes you think like at no point in this is established that orion is like faltering or flacking you're just like should we just leave him we'll just wait for him yeah, to finish he's literally almost in no danger even though there's like horrible horrible monsters in there um that is one thing that i think doesn't work about the the climax i didn't feel enough peril i feel like it should have been scarier which goes back to my original problem with that, that kind of like tonal dissonance i felt it being bigged up so much yeah because that... i always felt like well i bet gladio could probably just take care of a ton of this right like i know her whole thing is well i can't unleash all my powers because i could destroy the entire school but we've also seen her like do disintegration spells which target one monster so i kept thinking like disintegrate one monster just disintegrate one monster you know yeah absolutely i really felt that yeah and i've also felt that the 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 descriptions of this action scene i I liked it overall because that was that's my open point. But it wasn't like Ted. It wasn't like oh my god, gory. It wasn't blow by blow. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite an L's head. Um, yes, it is. You're right. Just her sort of focusing and being like, keep up the shield, keep up the shield. Yeah. While cooler things are going on around and she her, she doesn't get to do anything. Is the thing that's my problem is that L should have a really really focal point. She has to make a critical decision. She kind of does immediately afterwards but there should have been a moment where the shield breaks or orion gets knocked unconscious and she has to make a split second decision to drop the shield run out and save orion and like risk other people and then save the day like jump back in and raise the shield or like smash part of the ground so they don't need the shield or help fix the machine or something and then get whisked away and saved but that doesn't happen what does happen and this is the bit that was exciting enough for me to be happy with the climax, is after they're whisked back, it's out of a frying pan into the hellfire. It's, they, um, they, they get whisked back, teleported basically out of the place after they fix the machine, and the destructive fire that's going to destroy the monsters comes flooding through. And the seniors have time to get away, but they don't. They can't leave. They can't graduate. So they get stuck in between floors as the fire comes roaring up. And it is this perilous moment because it's, it's, it's escalation. They've, you think they've been plucked from the jaws of death. Oh no, there's more danger. And this is the pivotal moment where um, Orion kisses her. And I do a little yay moment. And she knees him in the balls and then stops the fire that's going to kill them. <laughs> and um and that was a satisfying conclusion to the climax so mixed bag then or good enough to win you over yeah mixed bag i feel like i've been so much harsher in this episode um than i should be like i really really like this book i think for me it's because this book had maybe moments that i felt were maybe a little lacking or a little slow or these sort of decisions in terms of plotting oh, why are we spending so much time here but the overall, I liked Elle and I liked Orion. I liked them a lot. I liked the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I did get a vibe. 
yeah. it's just it's a small five in the back of my head. I just kind of went, be a first book, sin- not first book, but first book in a trilogy syndrome, you know? You got a little bit like, well, <sighs> really? I felt it. No one could die yet. We had to big up the states, but no one could die. They could have their kiss, but they couldn't explore their relationship. I, 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 first book in a trilogy. Uh, okay, I kind of I see that. I kind of see that, sure. What I mean by that is I was really surprised that it got dragged into the graduation at all. It is suitably climactic, but I was like, whoa, 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 you can't do it this early. We can't see graduation this early because when we actually do graduation in book two or three or whatever, it needs to be fresh and exciting, right? Um, so what's the deal? We can't just jump in with this. And honestly, I genuinely... One of the reasons I really want to read the next book in a series... Spoiler for the end of this episode, I want to read more. Um, is I want to know how she's going to make it perilous. Because Orion has already demonstrated that he can take care of so many monsters. They no longer have the problem of Orion killing too many monsters means that the monsters are hungry and therefore they're going to be worse at graduation because the graduation machinery is working now. And we've not seen a monster yet that can't just be destroyed with raw power. So where's the drama going to come from? And I really want to see how she does it because I bet she can pull it off. I have faith um, that... No, it can pull it off. My fear is that she's mm. going to roll back the clock on some of the elements. I'm really worried that we're going to get a rollback on a Ryan and Elle's relationship. Like, don't... We certainly I are, know. for a reason that we're going to discuss. I know, and that is that is the final sad note to, I'm going to have to be ending on. Um, I'm really worried that maybe we're just going to get a, a bigger threat. Like, they'll say, oh, it purged, but oh, there's still lots of monsters. Like, I want what happened in this book to have value. But I also want the stakes to go up next book. Maybe we'll get completely new elements. One thought I do have is that we're probably going to shift. Um, like I said with like Lou. Or maybe she'll turn to the dark side. Maybe it'll be more about... Instead of like fighting monsters. It's about just saving their friends or saving their relationships. So like we'll have more emphasis on being good people. And trying to bring everyone together to save... Cause that's the thing. Because um, Elle and Orion effectively immortal i don't fear for them but if they're fearing for other people then i can get invested because other people can definitely die hopefully not hopefully but hopefully i'll have feel sure. the stakes for it so i think that's where it's probably going to pin it <laughs> and we even see oh sorry that's minor minor spoilers for the next book geordie uh my copy had uh, the first chapter of the next mm. book at the back and i i, I full on read it oh mate. did it i did <laughs> I, I went straight into that Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, in that case, shall we talk about the absolute end of this book and then move on to wrap up this episode, then? I hated the end, the absolute, the absolute last tiny bit of this book. I hated. Oh, I loved it. Wow. <laughs> How? Okay. So, at graduation, after graduation, when the freshmen come in, um, they bring in letters from the outside world. Because otherwise there's zero contact with the outside world. Um, for the first time ever, Elle receives a letter. The letter, it's tiny. It's like a little, like the sort of thing you give to a carrier pigeon. And it's like, it's from her mum. Her mum's lovely, by the way. I really like the fact that it's very rare in a YA book for parents to be present. For a very serious reason, she can't be present. 
It's so weird to have, like, a nice, loving, supportive mum, you know? Like, they're normally dead. Anyway, she receives a tiny letter, and Duncan, what does it say? Uh, to paraphrase slightly, it says, I love you so much, my darling daughter. P.S. Whatever you do, stay the fuck away from Orion. Yeah. And that's the end of a book. That's period. That is the last sentence in a book. I hate this. I feel like it introduces... Why? It introduces... It's just... Firstly, it just basically throws in the last second, like, oh, there's going to be drama between them. Like, I don't want drama between them. I want to see them as a couple. <laughs> it's like, oh, he has a secret history. Does he? He seems perfectly nice to me. <laughs> That's so good, Duncan. You're in shipping drama. It's not needed. There's enough drama them just trying to develop the relationship than this... It feels so arbitrary and it's so external. And I know that's exactly... It is external. <laughs> What's oh, happening? This is great. It's like the disapproving parent, though. It's like... Do you... Go- Duncan, do you ever put down Jane Austen and go, why can't they just communicate clearly to one another? I don't understand. I mean, yes. Northanger <laughs> Abbey. There's literally a bit where she's like in a carriage and she's like, stop, stop. I must speak to him. And you're just like... Just fucking get out the carriage, love. <laughs> and go and have a chat. Oh. Is that Emma you said? Well, no, that's uh, North Ham Abbey. All right, whatever. I don't know. I'm not that good at Austin. All right. <sighs> yeah, I have to know why. I'm so excited to know what wedge is being drawn between them because I bet it's juicy. And it, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be her being like, Ugh, stay away from me. My mother's worn me away from you. It's going to be like, why can't you why can't you tell me why you're staying away from me? Did I do something wrong? I can't tell you. Don't don't come near me. It's gonna be great. I just so I, much pushing oh, away, so much angst. Want that. I want there is enough drama in two people actually trying to make a relationship work, then you don't need that to drive a wedge in between them. I I bet you're wrong. I bet it's gonna be great. Um that I read a manga called Komi Can't Communicate, and then at oh, spoilers for Komi Can't, Can't Communicate. Uh, serious, serious spoilers. Um, skip ahead uh, one minute. So, in, in uh, by this point in the series, the main couple is together, like they're together, together, and like the big builder right now is not towards them getting together. It's the build up to their first kiss, and who should swan in? But like the girl who the boy had a crush on when he was a little kid. And, oh, no, she's actually liked him this whole time. And the fans of this series lost their shit. They hated this character. They were like, how dare you show up now? How dare you get in the way of their first kiss? We hate you. We hate you. Anyway, she's a good character. And it's been a good turn for the series. It just feels to me too much like Marvel's... Too much like Spider-Man not being able ah! to be with Mary Jane. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's true. That, that's it, actually quite current in Spider-Man because Marvel has, has said like, oh, they're totally never going to be together again. It's never going to happen. She has a kid now with someone else. <gasps> it's like relationships can be interesting and there can be so much drama in a couple actually being together. But that's neither here or there. That's just the last time of this book. And I just like, I could have done without that. I could I have done, smooch. even if that last line, like we just didn't even know what the message said. We just got her reaction. No, to the that message. would be pointless. 
Well, it felt too much like a little. It was too. It was too. I don't know. I don't know why it frustrated me so much. Maybe it was it felt too blatant, <laughs> or I was like, I "Don't know you why. dare!" Because you wanted to write. You wanted to write your shipping fan fiction. You wanted to write. Oh, what do you think the ship name behind him is? You don't need to ship a couple. That's already the main focus. Yes, you do, Duncan. Do you? you ha- no, but yes, you do. That's the whole point. Is it? Orion-O. Yes, you... I mean, what the hell are you going to do? Like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to ship fucking, I don't know, Edward and Bella together because they're already given a book. Of course you do, because you want to see them get together. But you know they'll get together. You still get excited for it. But you know. <laughs> and But, like, all right, so after this series is done, Duncan, and you're going to write your... Deadly Education Scholarman's fan fiction, yes. and you want to write them together as if they were, you know, running a coffee shop together or whatever, that's shipping them, even though they're already together in the series. Well, now you've let on to what my next book's going to be. Oh, all right, it's time to make for the big decision. What book are we going to read next? Duncan, are we going to read the next book in the series, which I actually don't know the title of? Well, the next book in the series, I've technically already started... Uh, the last that was a bit of a hint, wasn't it? That was a bit of a hint. You couldn't. You the said last, I, I couldn't the, help it. I had the first chapter in, at the end of my book, and I just read straight into it, and it picks up exactly on the scene. Literally, interesting. You could edit them together as if it was worth one book, and you wouldn't really notice the switch. And I'm not mm. gonna lie, mate. It was really good. It had some really amazing plot hooks in there. Um, and so we're gonna read uh, Legend by David Grimmel. No, dude, come on. Are you serious, though? I'm actually not budging, mate. I made that decision oh, long come ago. come on. Duncan, you know that I can't pick it. Like, you're going to have to pick it up, like, way in the future if you do this. Geordie, would you really like to read the next book with me? I mean, look, I would like to read it. And I'm not going to read it until you read it, because we do a podcast together. So I do want to read this book. It's up to you. You know that. It's your decision. I am in such dire shapes. Um, it's so hard for you because I sort of picked out uh, my next kind of bits. So I had the like pencil day, and I was like, oh, "Which one? What are we going to read next?" And this was surprisingly good, and I do mm. want to kind of know what happens next. Um, but I am just this sort of malicious person deep, deep down, and that's why Georgie's going to suffer a little bit, and he's going to learn to wait. You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Also, you totally ruined this because we were following a strict pattern from from last year. It was going to be, we started off, yeah, and my first pick would be a book with Strange in the title, Strange the Dreamer, and Strange and Norrell. And you would also be the first person to pick a sequel to a book, just like you did last year. You're ruining the symmetry of our podcast, Duncan. It's, it's like <laughs> you want to innovate and not have things be the same as before. I don't understand. It's like poetry, Dordie. It, it, it rhymes. It's, that's what we're doing. Duncan, how long have you planned out your schedule for what books you want to read? Um, I know at least the next two, which I'm like, okay. we're going to hit these notes because... so. We're not going to read this other book until, what, May? It's going to be beautiful summer read. You're going to love it. Take it away on holiday. No, Duncan, sir. I'm not going to love it. I'm so... You know what? Legend by David Grimmel. I'm going to have some strong words about this, about this book. <laughs> what is Legend by David Grimmel? Explain yourself! 
uh, <laughs> uh, Legend for David Gimmel. Oh, it's the first in his uh, Drania Tales. Uh, came out in the 80s. What the fuck am I looking at? This looks like... The cover of this book looks like it was made in fucking paint. Are you seeing the one with the picture of the axe? Yeah. Would it be another Malice, or would it be more enjoyable than that? <laughs> Do you want to know thoughts on Malice? Check out our episode from last year. Apologies for the audio quality in that one. Geordie, this is Book Club, and this is how sometimes you just got to take it when it comes. I hope you enjoy this upcoming book. I'm going to kick you if, in the dick. If our wonderful listeners is, um, have read Deadly Education, please let us know your thoughts if you've read legend by david gimmel please let us know if you've read any of the books that we've covered or are yet to cover on this book club let us know what your thoughts are you can reach out to us at this is just fantasy podcast on instagram or email us at this is just fantasy podcast at gmail.com and do you know what let me know have i been mean to geordie is the next book am i denying him an amazing sequel that he's gonna have to wait to read oh i hope so Legend is apparently, apparently because I haven't actually read it yet, a classic piece of fantasy literature, really getting to that heroic fantasy from right in the 80s, because I thought I've picked an 80s book. Uh, I thought Never Ending Story was the 80s. Turns out it's the 70s. So now we're going to hit that decade, get in there, find out what it's like. Oh, it's exciting times. Duncan, you will rue this day. I will make you pay for what you've done. I really hope this book's good. As this is a really painful book to read, or you're going to be so frustrated next time. We shall see next time on Is This Just Fantasy? You can reach out to us at Is This Fantasy Podcast with all your thoughts, opinions about Duncan's treachery. I'll oh, make you a nice cup of tea. You'll be happy in the end. I don't drink tea. Fuck you. <laughs> That's how I end the episode. <laughs>